Think of Egypt. They had been going after false gods. That's all they knew. But now they were being introduced to God, the creator of the heavens and earth. And he would show himself mighty in their presence. They were searching for water that could not satisfy. As so many in this world search for things that will never satisfy. But Jesus Christ said, if you come to me and drink, I will give you that living water and you will never thirst again. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Tonight we're looking at Exodus chapter 7 and 8. I gave an overall title to these two chapters, Who is Like the Lord? But for chapter 7, I titled it, A Hardened Heart. And I did so because we find that the Lord had already instructed Moses that Pharaoh would harden his heart against the word that Moses would give to Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go. And in fact, we find that there would be a repeated hardening of the heart of Pharaoh. And we're going to discover a little bit of the truths behind that as we go into chapter 7 tonight. And also in chapter 7 and 8, we begin the plagues of Egypt, looking at several of them tonight, beginning with the first plague of the water becoming blood, and then taking us through the fourth plague, and that of flies. But as Moses and Aaron came down to the water that day, And the Lord, picking up in verse 19 through 21, the Lord spoke to Moses, say to Aaron, take your rod, stretch it out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their streams, over the rivers, over their ponds, over all the pools of water, that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in buckets of wood and pitchers of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so just as the Lord commanded You see a little repetition there for Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron did so just as the Lord commanded. All they were doing is what God instructed them to do. And that's all we could ask of ourselves. And so it was, he lifted up the rod, he struck the waters that were in the river and in the sight of Pharaoh and the sight of his servants. And all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood and the fish that were in the river dried, the river stank, The Egyptians could not drink the water of the river, 
So there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. And the ten plagues are more than just supernatural phenomena, but God showing the Egyptians that their gods were no match against the Lord God who created the heavens and the earth. And so their water of life turned into blood, their little gods of fish that they worship, uh, dying on the shorelines. And Psalm 105, 29, he turned their waters into blood and killed their fish. But we find that the magicians did so. In verses 22 through 25, the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments. And Pharaoh's heart grew hard. He did not heed them as the Lord has said. And Pharaoh turned and went out into his house. Neither was he was his heart moved by this. So all the Egyptians dug all around the river for water to drink because they could not drink the water of the Nile. And seven days passed after the Lord had struck the river. And so it seems that, you know, the water, it took a little bit. And in that culture, much like in parts of Africa today, where daily you go to get water, no doubt many people were heading to the Nile to get the water there or to their, the wells of water and water that they had in the buckets. It didn't matter. God hit them all. Everything was, had turned into blood. But here we find that the magicians, the sorcerers, also were able to imitate this sign. It caused Pharaoh's heart to just grow harder, as God said it would. But they had to search for that water. And water is a big deal in every nation of the earth, of course. But in the dry and arid climates like that, you don't go long without water. But sadly, they were looking for physical water that could never satisfy the spiritual need of their souls. Jesus, in the Gospel of John, chapter 4, sat by the well of Jacob when a woman came out, a Samaritan woman, to gather water there. And Jesus asked her for a drink, as we know. And at one point, he told the woman, John four thirteen and 14, Whoever drinks this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And so water being so important, even to this day, for physical life, but also think of Egypt. They had been going after false gods. That's all they knew. But now they were being introduced to God, the creator of the heavens and earth. And he would show himself mighty in their presence. They were searching for water that could not satisfy. As so many in this world search for things that will never satisfy. But Jesus Christ said, if you come to me and drink, I will give you that living water and you will never thirst again. Before we move on, I'm surprised we're through chapter 7 already, but before we move on, I want to just look at this hardening of Pharaoh's heart. There in the Hebrew, 
we find that there are three words translated as hardened in the Hebrew language. Kwazak means to fasten upon, to seize, to bind, and it's used ten times in this account. And it is mostly connected to God, Kwazak. Kashaw means to be dense, cruel, or to make grievous, and it refers to God in Exodus 7.3. Kashaw refers to God hardening Pharaoh's heart. And Kabade, it means to be grievous, to harden, to be heavy, and it's found six times, and every time it's found, it's referred to Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And so here we find that we have God telling Moses at the beginning, before he did anything to Pharaoh, he told him the incondition of what Pharaoh's heart would be, that I am going to kashaw, I'm going to harden his heart, I'm going to make it firm. And then from chapters 4, verses 21 through 14, 8, we have an interchanging of the two Hebrew words, Kwazak and Kwabed. Uh, sometimes it's referring to Pharaoh hardening his own heart. At other times, it's God making firm the condition of Pharaoh's heart. But ultimately, we discover that Pharaoh first hardens his heart toward the Lord and the children of Israel. And then in the end, God will come in and make firm the condition of Pharaoh's heart. Again, we find this is something that God does to this day. That as people continue to harden themselves against the Lord, to disbelieve the word of God or the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they are hardening their own hearts, one day God will make firm that decision for them. Where Paul wrote in Romans 2 verses 5 and 6, but in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render each one according to their deeds. So the question, maybe it's not, why did God harden Pharaoh's heart? The question we should be concerned with is how's the condition of my heart before the Lord. Have you found that living in this world has had a hardening effect upon your heart? Oh, we need to be careful. God may bind up or make firm that condition of our heart. But on the other hand, has the hardness of this world actually softened our heart towards Jesus? And that softening of our heart towards Jesus results then in our salvation when we come to him and cry out to him, in life-saving faith. And it's Jesus who is able to soften our hearts that we might be saved. So it is in chapter 8, I titled this chapter, The Overall Study, Who is Like the Lord, this chapter, No One Like Our God. When Moses and Aaron asked to let Israel go, Pharaoh, he had originally said, Exodus 5, verse 2, Who is the Lord that I should obey him? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. And through the ten plagues, and we've only had one plague at this point, 
God would reveal to Pharaoh and to the children of Egypt and the children of Israel that there is no one like the Lord our God. So the second plague, that of frogs, verses 1 through 15, picking up in verses 1 and 2, the word of God tells us, And the Lord spoke to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all your territory with frogs. <laughs> frogs, frogs, everywhere frogs. And during the second plague, frogs came up from Egypt's rivers, ponds, into all their land. This plague caused frogs to be found in the houses. Hey, honey, I'm going to bed. It's full of frogs in their bedrooms, on the bed, on the people, in their ovens. Hey, could you get some flour? Well, let me get the frog out of the way first. You know, I want to make some bread. Frogs were everywhere. It would kind of make you like not want to do anything at that point. And so it was, verses 3 and 4, the rivers shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into your house, into your bedroom, on your bed, into the houses of your servants, on your people, into your ovens, into your kneading bowls. And the frogs shall come upon you and on your people and all your servants. Well, once again, the Egyptians, some Egyptian out there, developed a religion around worshiping frogs. Heket was the goddess of fertility and childbirth and depicted as a frog or a woman with the head of a frog. I don't know if that's such an attractive image of a woman with the head of a frog, but when you're willing to give in to the deceptive lies of Satan, you end up worshiping pretty strange things. So the Lord may have been saying to Egypt, so you want to worship a frog, do you? I'll give you so many frogs that your souls will be repulsed. And so it was, verses 5 through 7, when the Lord spoke to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams and over the rivers and over the ponds and cause the frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and they covered the land and the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs on the land of Egypt. So frogs were everywhere. It didn't matter if you were rich or poor, slave or free. Frogs covered the land. What is crazy to me is that the sorcerers counterfeited the plague. They already had a multitude of frogs everywhere, and it's like, let's make some more frogs. We love frogs. We worship frogs. I don't see how they could want more frogs. And so it was. Picking up in verse 8 through 11. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord. Remember, he had said, Who is the Lord? Now they're asking, Could you talk to the Lord for me? Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and my people, and I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. So the multitude of frogs led Moses and Aaron to have an audience with Pharaoh who asked them, to pray to God, to talk to God, that he might take away the frogs. And here we find 
Pharaoh promises to let Israel go, but this is the first of many false promises or compromises that Pharaoh will offer to Israel. So it was, 9 through 11, Moses said to Pharaoh, accept the honor of saying, when I shall intercede for you, for your servants and for your people to destroy the frogs from you and your houses that they may remain in the river only. And he said, tomorrow. And he said, let it be according to your word that you may know that there is no one like our God, like the Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from you, from your houses, from your servants, from your people, and they shall remain in the river only. Although Pharaoh did not believe in God, who is the Lord and why should I listen to him? Why should I let your people go? He began to learn about the Lord God of Israel, maker of the heavens and earth. And Moses gave Pharaoh the honor of naming the time. Personally, I would have said you could do it right now. Pray now. But Pharaoh said, wait till tomorrow. I love worshiping our frog goddess, Heket. And so I don't mind having a million frogs jumping all over my palace. Wait till the morning. And then the frogs can depart. I don't know why he didn't say today, but hey, I'm no pharaoh over the land of Egypt, so I'll never know. But we discover, or Egypt discovers, that they have another stinking God. Verses 12 through 15, Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried out to the Lord concerning the frogs, which he had brought up against Pharaoh. So the Lord did according to the word of Moses. The frogs died out in the houses, out of the courtyards, out of the fields. And they gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. And so it was. Pharaoh hardened his heart and did not heed them as the Lord had said. Verse 15. Once again, the psalmist records this event in Psalm 105, verse 30. Their land abounded with frogs, even in the chambers of their kings. So it shouldn't surprise us that Pharaoh's heart grew hard after God delivered their people from the plague of the frogs. I mean, this is a common scenario that's repeated often in people's lives. People will get in a bind, they'll get in trouble, they'll cry out to Jesus, and they'll say, Lord, help! And then the Lord will deliver them. And once delivered, they forget to give praise to the one who has delivered them. Worse yet, they often repeat the cycle over again. They cry out to the Lord, the Lord delivers them. They go on with their life, they get in trouble, they cry out to the Lord, the Lord delivers them. Here's an interesting verse in Isaiah 26.10. Let grace be shown to the wicked, yet he will not learn righteousness. In the land of the uprightness, he will deal unjustly. He will not behold the majesty of the Lord. Let grace be shown to the wicked, but he won't learn righteousness. I mean, that's the desire that we would learn from our mistakes, that we would better ourselves, but there are people who will never learn. They'll never, though they may cry out to God, never truly believe in the one who delivers them. 
So the third plague, dust into lice, and this takes us in verses 16 through 19. We pick up in verse 16 and 17. So the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your rod, strike the dust of the land, so that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so. For Aaron stretched out his hand with the rod, struck the dust of the land, or the earth, and it became like lice on man and beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. I haven't been to Egypt. I've been to Israel. It's a very dry and arid area. And uh, quite dusty. I assume, since they are in a similar region of our world, that Egypt itself is quite a dusty place. Imagine all the dust becoming lice. So God who formed man from the dust of the ground now makes lice come from the same ground. Now I was wondering about this in the attack of God against the gods of Egypt. We think, did they worship lice? And so I looked up a Jewish author on this, and this is what he said. First, it must be noted that the plague of lice is not about the lice per se, but that the lice emerged from the dust. The earth, of course, should be a source of growth and fertility, but in this case, it was made by God to manufacture these unpleasant creatures. Once we acknowledge that the plague is related to the dust, then the proper place to look in Egyptian mythology is for a god of the dust, not gods resembling lice. And so Gib is that god, the god of the earth and growing things. And they worshiped everything. But also one of the Bible commentators said regarding this, this plague may have also been a, an attack against the god of the desert, Set the god of the desert. Also, it may have been a direct attack against the Egyptian priesthood. The priests prided themselves in purity with their frequent washings and shavings, the wearing of linen robes, and the Lord polluted the religionists with pesty insects. And again, Psalm 105.31, He spoke, and there came lice in all their territory. Have you ever been chased out because of, in fact, I was just thinking of uh, taking the kids. I, I should do this more often. They're, now they're getting big. But I did take them fishing for a while when they were younger. And we went down to a place where I had fished on the Dust Plains River uh, when I was younger. And I remember that area and just a nice place. And I, I didn't think about, you know, 20 or 30 years passing and it had become a forest. And at that time, it was infested with mosquitoes and we basically got chased out of there. I mean, fishing's fine, but the mosquitoes were so bad, it's like, we're out of here, we can't handle this. And that's how it was for them. But here, the magicians could not do so. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your work in our lives.
The hardening of Pharaoh's heart. Lord, it was something that you told Moses would happen. But we also find that Pharaoh was doing some of his own hardening of his own heart. And there was a point, Lord, where you would just make firm his decision. I pray for those, Lord, who have hardened hearts toward you, Lord. They're in a similar way, hardened their heart against you, like Pharaoh did, maybe not to the extreme. But if they don't turn to you at some point in their life, you will at one point make firm the condition of their heart. I pray, Lord, that those who would hear my voice would never get to that place, but would instead give their heart to you, Jesus, that they might be saved. I pray for those who are sick and suffering. I pray, Lord, that we would be lights to you and that we would let our light shine in this age that we find ourselves in. We ask in the name of Jesus, amen. I pray that God would bless you and keep you, that his face would always shine upon you and give you peace. God bless. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. And let God